on AOSL. Welcome to the next episode of Talk Me to the Movies. Wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm like 95% sure that's hello in Korean, so. <laughs> but this is Kara, and this is Brenna, and welcome to the next episode. Woohoo! Um, should we warn them that we're doing something a little different today than what we had planned? <laughs> yes, we had a bit of a change of heart. We promised we were going to be talking about other movies we loved in 2019 that didn't get so much awards love, but we actually kind of went... 360. <laughs> Kara gave us a little spoiler with our greeting today, but what are we going to talk about? Um, we're going to talk about, mainly we're going to talk about the film Parasite. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people after it won Best Picture and came home with a bunch of other um, awards from the Oscars, um, a lot of people are watching it and we wanted to kind of talk about it now while it's kind of fresh in people's minds and yeah, talk about what we thought about it. We both rewatched it this week. Yes. Well worth the rewatch. Can't recommend enough. Yep. And we both watched a new Bong Joon-ho movie. Yep. Which we both watched Mother. Yeah. Also great. So different. So different. (laughs) We'll start off with kind of giving a plot summary of Parasite. And yeah. Yeah. Give it a whirl. It's a complicated plot, but we think we've got a good good overview here. (laughs) Also... Goes without saying, spoiler alert, but <laughs> we're going to go super in-depth with this movie, but it was also the Oscar Best Picture winner, so shame on you if you haven't seen it. It's just so amazing, and we're just going to we're gonna get into it. So, what is Parasite about? Okay, so Parasite follows the Kim family, struggling, which they are struggling to make ends meet until their son Kevin comes across an unexpected opportunity. He has no experience teaching English, and he decides to accept a job tutoring Dahai, a daughter from the wealthy Park family. And thus a mission ensues for the entire Kim family to in- infiltrate the lavish household. The Kim family begins to in- infiltrate the home of the Parks by recommending each other's services, posing as unrelated but sophisticated skilled workers. Kevin tutors and begins a romance with Dahai. Jessica poses as Jessica, an art therapist <laughs> who agrees to counsel the Park's restless young son, Dasong. Jessica frames Mr. Park's chauffeur as having had promiscuous activities in his car, and Kitaik is hired to replace him, which is the Kim's father. Mm-hmm. Finally, Chung Suk takes over as the Park's housekeeper after the Kim's exploit the severe peach allergy of the longtime housekeeper. Moon Gwim and convince Miss Park that she has tuberculosis. When the Parks leave to go on a camping trip, Moon Guang suddenly returns, saying she has left something in the house's basement. There she reveals that reveals to Chung Suk a hidden entrance to an underground bunker that was created by the house's architect and previous owner. Moon Guang's husband, Gang Se, began secretly living underneath the home to hide from the lone sharks before the parks moved in years ago. The housekeeper pleads with Miss Kim to continue to help her husband survive in the bunker, but she refuses. After the truth about the Kim family is accidentally revealed, the housekeeper threatens to tell the parks their secret if the Kims do not keep her own. The Park family comes back early from their camping trip due to a rainstorm and the Kims narrowly escape to their apartment to find it completely flooded by the storm and are forced to sleep in a gymnasium with other displaced people. The next day, Miss Park decides to host a party for Desong's birthday. She invites Jessica and Kevin while the Kim family is required to attend as employees. 
Okay, so that was a mouthful. Uh-huh. So many layers. This like this is a pretty in-depth summary, but there's just so much more to this. There's so much going on in this film. I think you and I both kind of didn't expect as many notes as we did. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, especially watching it on a second viewing. Exactly. How many things did you notice this time that you didn't last time? I noticed, gosh, so many things, especially once you get to the midway-ish point where the big reveal happens that the Kim family aren't the only quote-unquote parasites living off the Park family, that there's also the former housekeeper and her husband who have been living underground in the house. Um, but I think just having a bit of relief with knowing how that was all going to play out and getting to watch it in less stressed of a lens, I felt like there were just, gosh, so many, there's so many crazy reveals and just really clever moments of symmetry um, that I just didn't appreciate the first time around because I was really stressed out. The ending of this takes you on a wild ride, but it's part of what makes it so beautiful. Um, But what about you? I know that there were a lot of things. Yeah, there were so many things. I, um, if you guys have a letterbox, (laughs) can I plug my letterbox again? Yes, I plugged mine before. It's only fair that you plug yours. (laughs) Pretty sure it's at Carolina. But anyway. So, yeah, my review on this is that this movie is literally dripping with metaphors, mm-hmm. which is funny because the metaphors have to do with this kind of socioeconomic struggle between these multi-classes in Korean society. However, I think a lot of these things kind of parallel to our American society. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally dripping with metaphors. So, But it's funny because these metaphors are around the socioeconomic struggle, but this movie is literally about the socioeconomic struggle. Yep. <laughs> it's like what's overtly happening, but it's also nodding to so many other aspects of that in like a, a broader way. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is one reason it makes it so genius. Yeah. Because it literally, I think Kevin, the son of the Kim family, literally says twice in the film, maybe you saw more, <laughs> but this is so metaphorical. He literally <laughs> says that. He Firstly, yes. he refers to it, the the scholars rock yes. as being metaphorical. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing he refers to as being metaphorical is the sun... This song's um, self-portrait. He says that that's very metaphorical. Oh yes, I forgot about that second one. I always when I picture when I picture Kevin saying that, it's always the ah, oh, so metaphorical when they receive in in Korean, of course. But when they receive the rock as a gift, but you're right. He also says it, and it's kind of funny because they're both cheeky instances. It's like a little nod to the audience, but. It's true. (laughs) He's saying it almost as a joke or with irony, but man, it's wild. It is wild. (laughs) I wish our audience could see all the papers laid out in front of us. (laughs) Well, see if it helps us or hurts us, but there's a lot to talk about and to dissect in this for sure. So I'm going to take a picture of this and post it. Actually, like preparing for Parasite was really, we did the most. We did. (laughs) But I think what you said about the symmetry that you're talking about is really interesting. So do you want to kind of get into, like, the symmetries that you saw in this film? Yes. So I think that's something... I've, I've not seen every Bong Joon-ho film, but I've seen a good handful at this point. And I think nothing he does is without intention. No shift between scenes. No, none of those trademark character turn and look directly into the char- 
or directly into the camera moments. None of them are wasted or without meaning. And But I do feel like Parasite is the film that is most overt about them, mostly because of what you were saying with the actual story and then the real-life <laughs> metaphors to socioeconomic struggles. But it's just some really interesting things I noticed this time and was able to appreciate on the second viewing are things like, um, for example, a moment of symmetry is... Uh, after the big flood, toward the end of the movie, Mrs. Park wakes up with just a smile on her face, just so happy to wake up to the sun. All she's known is that there's a bad rainstorm overnight. So she wakes up smiling, um, talking to her friend on the phone, and she's just happily sorting through her giant walk-through closet, trying to pick out an outfit for her son's birthday party that day. But then the scene quickly um, skips to the Kim family, who had a horrific night the night before. Their apartment was literally completely flooded um, and they've had to sleep in a gymnasium with everybody else who lives underground or partially underground and so as opposed to flipping through their happy giant closets you see them sorting through this massive pile of discarded clothing on the gymnasium floor and it's just they're doing two different things but the same thing it's just shown um, in a huge contrast that really makes an impact on you Um, that's a good one I didn't notice that until this time either. So another parallel that I noticed that had to do with the rain. I think a lot of them actually had to do with the rain. Oh, yeah. Um, But these parallels are interesting because there's a lot of irony Mm -hmm. with them. Um, So the same storm that ruins the park's vacation, like, oh, so Mm. sad, too bad, you ruined, you didn't, your vacation didn't happen. Uh It ruins the park's home. Yeah, it, it ruins their home where they live every day, and not one person in the park family asks them about like their home being ruined. Right, which I thought was interesting. So like, yeah, yeah. So I think that's an interesting parallel as well. Mm-hmm. And then also, the rain causes impromptu situations happening. Like for the Kims, it's an impromptu realization that their home is flooded with sewage mm-hmm. water, mm-hmm. which the parks are already telling them that they, like, are, are already saying behind the kids' back that they smell, right. that they have the smell, but literally now the kids' house is up to, like, shoulder height in literal sewage water. Yeah. <laughs> but then the impromptu version of the rain canceling the park's family vacation, it it provokes an impromptu party for their son. Right. Oh, my goodness. Just, like, what different experiences. <laughs> I know. Which I just think is so interesting to think about. And the parks just have this, like, complete obliviousness of mm-hmm. the effect it has on others. But right. are more so focused on, like, oh, this rain happened. Oh, so sad. Too bad. Like, the, our vacation's ruined. But let's, you know what? Let's throw a party for our son. Yeah. You know, and then also pays their workers who just lost their home to come Mm -hmm. to their son's birthday party. Right. They think nothing of it. I think um, the Park family father, he says when they're planning the party, he says, oh, I'll call Mr. Kim, uh, who is at this point their driver. He says, I'll just pay him over time. It's like these people should be so happy to get to come and help with this party. But like you were saying, not one second thought about a different experience they might have had. Even if they didn't, because the Kim family family is playing a part and not they're not really the people the Park family knows them to be, 
the parks still know that these are more average people, not people like them who live in this massive structure that's made by a famous architect, you know, living just crazy wealthily. It's just everything is revolving around them and their worldview. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point, too, because the Kims talk a lot, or the the parks talk a lot about, like, oh, we'll just pay them overtime, or we'll just pay you more because of inflation. Mm -hmm. Like, they think that their money controls a lot. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean, money does control a lot of things so that's in some aspects that is true but the dad often talks about how the old housekeeper was so great because she never crossed the line Mm -hmm. and crossed that line into like interfering with their personal lives like the the being a human being a human like yeah they're poorer than I am like they can't cross this line but they're always saying well we'll just pay them more so that they don't cross the line or something like you know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's just ridiculous to me. It's yeah. Yeah. It's it's the rich living off the work of the poor, and in this case, the poor literally gaming the system, but not in a negative it's like it's funny because we reroute for the Kim family. They're our protagonists. We want them to uh, live this life of luxury, even if they <laughs> maybe haven't quote unquote done something to earn it. So it's just I mean, thus the name Parasite, but we see them, they're still doing all the work for the Park family, but they're getting something out of it. They're getting a life upgrade by putting themselves in this situation. So that just kind of shows even varying levels of, it's not, oh, grumble, grumble, I gotta work for this family, even though they make fun of them behind their backs, but it's like, this is our, our gateway. We can take advantage of them and earn some money for ourselves. And, you know, there's that scene when, the Kim family's all gathered together in the living room when the parks are away on the camping trip. And Mr. Kim says, don't we live in this house, though? We're sitting here in the living room as a family. We're drinking the liquor. <laughs> We're having a great time. He's like, as far as I'm concerned, we live here. Yeah. So um, they, you know, they had kind of taken over the house. They knew it wasn't theirs, but they were get- definitely getting something out of it by gaming that system. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> like, my favorite scene in this so film. So good. Because... Even though that they like step into this moment of faux wealth, mm-hmm. it you start to see their personalities change. Yeah, they, like, they automatically start to see themselves as like higher than. Mm-hmm. Once they then, start envisioning that. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. shortly after this, you find out like that the climax of the film happens, and you find <laughs> out this all these this person living underneath the ground or whatever in the bunker. But I love that that specific scene because it started making me think about like. Does money change people? Does like right. even like the the I like faux money like change people? And there's a scene where Mr. Kim like kind of like gets angry at his wife and throws mm-hmm. a bottle of liquor on the ground, and the bottle like pours out everywhere, and you kind of like start to see them get this higher than mentality mm-hmm. that you kind of realize, oh wait, maybe there's not a protagonist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you've been up until that point, you've been built up to root for the Kims because it's, there's just like, I was experiencing so much joy watching them in those first couple scenes when they're first in the house together, all in their different roles in the, in the park's house, playing their roles. And they just are really working as a team. They're yeah. so happy. And they're like, look, we pulled this thing off. And, and it's fun. Yeah, it's so fun. And you're like, oh, this is 
great, even though you have that sense of dread that this isn't going to all work out for them. Um, but yeah, you even built up to really root for them and to be on their side. And then just like you were saying, I think it's important to realize once they let themselves quote unquote cross the line yeah. into thinking about what it would be like if they really did live in that house, it doesn't take long for us to see that there's some ugliness there. It's so true, though. <laughs> there is some ugliness there, because shortly after that, we find out the housekeeper's husband is living in the bunker. Yeah. And Mrs. Kim, because she's the only known person to be staying in that home, when the old housekeeper comes and is like, hey, will you please let me in? It's raining. I left something there. She lets her in mm-hmm. and allows her to go down to the bunker where she reveals that her husband has been living there. When she asks for the sympathy of Mrs. Kim, Miss Kim gives her no sympathy at all. Yeah, not even doesn't even bat an eye. Doesn't even bat an eye. Uh-huh. Her own situation and what she had to do to get where she was doesn't even cross her mind mm-hmm. until her whole family actually trips and falls down the stairs, <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a part when when um, the previous housekeeper she said she keeps she's appealing to her to help her and she's saying please don't tell the Park family that we've been doing this. I'm trusting you because I think you'll understand. Because she says something like, as a fellow worker yourself, yeah. you know what this is like. And she keeps calling her sis in this friendly tone. and Offers Mrs. her money. Offers her money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh, there's always money changing hands here. <laughs> um, but then Mrs. Kim literally says, don't call me sis. Like that immediate, like we are not on the same level. Even though she's literally occupying the same role the original housekeeper had what, a week or yeah. less before then? <laughs> I think they say four days or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, which is interesting because the old housekeeper had been there four years. Right. Symmetry. Symmetry. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about Bong Joon-ho's movies where sometimes I'm like, am I just trying to see things? <laughs> but I think in this film especially, everything meant something. It literally did. Like, anything else I noticed, when we were talking about symmetry earlier, the way he plays the symmetry is so interesting because a lot I noticed this time that a lot of his scenes sometimes something will enter a frame and then something else will exit a frame. Oh yes, visually stunning. Yes. <laughs> Not only is the story great, but it's so beautiful. I think one of my <laughs> most proud accomplishments of 2020 is how many people we've gotten to watch Parasite in the office so far. It's so true. Maybe actually I say that, but it's probably the Oscars that really did it. <laughs> no, no, I think it was us. <laughs> We're just influencers. We're so. influencers. <laughs> but yeah, it's been nice to hear that other people were like, oh yeah, hands down, that deserved Best Picture. Because you're like, yes. yes, exactly, it really did. It did. And it's so, man, I, I think, this seems obvious, but it's a film, and I think we talked about it a little bit in our as we were breaking down the Oscars and talking about this movie when it won, but it's a movie from South Korea, a country, a world away from us, and yet here in America, and I'm sure in countries the world over, we can still relate to this. Yeah. This having aspirations and wanting so badly to get the, for us, the American dream, or just to, whatever your dream is, to be wealthy and to have people waiting on you or whatever it is we all relate to that on some human level and I just think it's so it's amazing first of all that a foreign film 
won Best Picture, but it's amazing that it was this movie that so many people could see themselves in. I think that had a big part to play in it, but um, it's just it's just crazy impactful, and I just don't know. I don't know how we do better than this. (laughs) To be honest, we'll see in in a year, but (laughs) I also don't know how Bong is going to do better than this. Right? Yeah. We yeah we mentioned that we've both been watching several of his other films. So would you say that you think Parasite is the best? And that, so I was thinking about the Oscars and a lot of times they say when people win, it's not for what they should have won for, or especially in Bong's case. He's been um, part of the filmmaking uh, world for so long. So do you think that this is the one he should have won for? <laughs> I do. So let me just qualify this for saying the only Bong movies I've seen are Okja, mm-hmm. Snowpiercer, Mother, The Host, and Parasite. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I still want to see Memories of Murder. <clears throat> we couldn't find it online. So yeah. We tried. <laughs> Amazon shows a trailer, but it doesn't show. You can't actually rent it. So those are the only ones I've seen of his films. And I still really like Snowpiercer. I think, mm-hmm. like, I love that his movies are metaphorical. That's yeah. what I love. Mm-hmm. Like, the host kind of relates to, like, taking care of the environment and specifically around that, I think there's yeah. still some maybe like some hints at um, socioeconomic stuff, mm-hmm. but Snowpiercer definitely has a similar mm-hmm. meaning. I feel like behind yeah. it, then Snowpiercer definitely has a similar meaning behind it that Parasite does. Yeah, but I think you hit it on the head when you like mentioned the or mentioned the symmetry. Mm-hmm. Is that Parasite is like perfect. <laughs> It is perfect. Yeah. I can't really think of a bone to pick with it in any way. I am rambling now, but yes, <laughs> I think Parasite. Rambling. Yeah, <laughs> I think Parasite should have. This is the one that I don't know. Like I, I could see a lot of people disagreeing with that, but this movie to me is so perfect. So like, yeah. this is yeah. I, I think it should be the one he won on. What do you think? Yeah, I'm like, I take the ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. Um. No, I totally agree. In truth, some of the other movies that I've seen of his, it's been a while, so I always got to leave a little room for recency bias, but I, this one has just made such an impact, and the fact that, like we were talking about, even just in our little sphere in our office, mm-hmm. people, no one has a, a lukewarm reaction to it. Yeah. Um, I've seen that happen with some of his other films, which, you know, take people's opinions with a grain of salt, but, bon, I mean... Let me back up a little bit. Bong Joon-ho is always in a class of his own. Yeah. Even his films that we're saying we may not love as much, they're all so great. I I mean, you should watch as many of them as you can, but such a universal reaction to a movie like this. Yeah. Maybe ever? I can't. <laughs> At least not in recent times. So, and I think, yeah, again, it's just that people... Um, struggle in a lot of places in the world mm-hmm. um so yeah I think I think the Oscars got it right in so many ways <laughs> and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that I think it's the perfect date movie as well <laughs> Ooh, elaborate on that <laughs> because our first date movie oh okay yeah because you can't walk out of this film and not talk about it for two hours oh that's a great point yeah so if you're out there and you're single 
or you're going on dates with someone, you need an icebreaker, watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great, because sometimes I think movie dates, you could be like, oh, you know, you go to the movie, you don't have to talk to each other there, but then if it's just like some kind of surface level fun thing, then you still have to think of conversation afterwards, but in this case, it's actually a great date screener, too, because if they don't have good things to say about it, (laughs) or they're like... Oh man, why is everyone being so mean to the parks? You're like, oh, you're out. You're out, man. You're like, you did not pass the parasite yeah. test. I don't think you understood the film. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's really great advice. That should be another spin-off to our podcast. Is Date movie, movies? Yes. Movies that are great for dates and why. We should do a whole episode. We should. I actually really like that idea. Yeah. Awesome. So, not so much dating, but metaphors. <laughs> How about that for a transition? I like it. I like it. Um, there are, we talked about symmetry, but um, these kind of go hand in hand, but the metaphors are super strong in this movie. First of all, it's called Parasite, and this, <laughs> did you know that? It's called Parasite. And no one has a disease? No one has a disease. No one's got tapeworms, anything like that. But there's literally... Um, Bong Joon-ho kind of come in with this classic double twist. There's not one, but two families living off the parks, being, you could say, parasites off of their wealth. Um, in one case, the Kims are literally taking all the money from the park household straight into their own. But in the case of uh, the former housekeeper and her husband, they're literally living in their home, <laughs> eating their food. Um, so that seems like the most obvious metaphor, but that idea comes into play in so many other small ways that I really appreciated. For example, when the Kim family is, again, kind of hanging out in the house, having a great time while the parks are on their camping trip, um, the parks come back and it happens so quickly and people aren't ready for it. So Mr. Kim, Jessica, and Kevin all are literally, literally hiding underneath their coffee table in the dark living room and this is right after um in conversation Mr. and Mrs. Kim have been talking about how um Mr. Kim would run away like a cockroach in their house if you know the light was ever shown on him so literally minutes later they're hiding in the dark up against furniture like cockroaches would yeah um and then just that's a good point yeah, yeah like like literal like parasite bugs literally waiting to scuttle away when they get the chance um so it's just I just love that Bong Joon-ho doesn't settle for the obvious thing even though the the title parasite isn't that obvious until you get into the story but it's just so much deeper and we keep seeing that come up over and over again um so yes it's a metaphor so metaphorical it is so metaphorical (laughs) actually the first scene you see Mr. Kim who just woke up from a nap and he pulls out a thing of bread and there's a stink bug and he pushes it away. Yeah. yeah. There's also another scene in the beginning when the Kim family is literally sitting on their floor. They live in a semi-basement apartment, so mostly underground, but they have their windows open. The city fumigation guy comes and is just spraying gaseous chemicals all over the streets and they allow it to come into their apartment for quote-unquote free fumigation to get rid of their bugs but 
it's literally this huge foreshadowing moment and a metaphor of, like, the Kim family is literally being fumigated in their own house, as bugs would be. Yeah. Um, Such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, one thing we haven't talked about is, we actually mentioned this on our very first podcast, that Snowpiercer, Bong Joon-ho, considers his hallway movie, which, like, refers to, like, the poor being at the back and making their way up to the front to where the rich and where the privileged are. The Parasite, the movie Parasite, actually focuses on, he calls it his staircase movie. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of movement going from, like, the very bottom to, like, the very top. Mm-hmm. So, like you just said, the Kims, their actual home is literally underground. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's multiple scene, scenes that happen in the Parks home where there's different things going on where characters are going from the, like, where the bunker area is. The bunker area is actually, like, two staircases down from where, like, the main level is. Yeah, it's deep in there. It's even deep. It's really, really deep. But that plays a big part of this film as well. Yeah. Yeah. The literal, when you're spending time with the Park family, you're on the ground floor or a floor above, and then you progressively get lower, depending on which family is being centered on and also just pause for appreciation that scene even the second time my heart was beating so fast that scene when mrs kim is following the former housekeeper down the stairs and she's kind of trying to like what is going on like what is the secret bunker what am i going to find down here that is just such a stunning piece of movie making when you're following her down the stairs and it's so disorienting and i knew exactly what was going to happen but i was just like uh, like biting my nails, <laughs> biting my nails, and um, it's so good, and and it makes you, it really drives home what you were saying, just that we're going deep down here. We're gonna go see what's happening with these people who are on like the most outer recesses of society. Yeah. These people who literally can't go home because they're being hunted by loan sharks. Um, they're wanted by the law for the money they owe from their previous failed businesses. So uh, they don't really have a choice, but it's also just, you see that happen. But then like you were saying earlier, it also makes us realize how close the Kim family is to being in their position. And then later they literally all tumble down those stairs. <laughs> it's so great. The scene that had my like heart beating from my stomach this time was when they did a flashback of Dasam on the first time where at the beginning you learn that Jessica whenever she becomes the art teacher of Dasam she's like oh did something happen to him when he was in first grade and the mom like gasps and she's like oh my gosh yeah something did happen and you don't really know what that is until later on in the story mm-hmm. but basically what happened was that on his birthday one year he he snuck downstairs and got into the um, refrigerator took his cake out and he was eating the cake and she's like oh and he had this bad dream that he saw a ghost but basically what he saw is you see the man who's living in the bunker slowly coming up the stairs and all you see is like his eyes like mm-hmm. hovering over like where the stairs meet like the ground layer mm-hmm. and he has a seizure and they have to rush him off to the hospital but that scene to me was, like, so, like, 
Oh my god. It's very scary. It is very scary. <laughs> because if you if you this time I did I didn't I didn't notice it the first time I watched, but this time I noticed that the motion center lights don't happen for anyone except mm-hmm. the Parks family. Yeah. 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 Speaking of secret messages, we should totally unpack the lights situation. The lights. <laughs> wow, bomb. Like <laughs> so many things are happening with the lights in this film. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the lights. In the Parks family home. And this is another reason why I'd say a second watch is beneficial when you know this part too. Um, because I think we both realized in the second viewing how often the lights in their home are flickering or turning yeah. on and off or not turning on and off when certain people do things. Which we find out at the end. <clears throat> a lot of this has to do with the man who's living in the bunker, mm-hmm. his honoring of Mr. Park. So anytime Mr. Park gets home from work, he bangs his head one, two, three on the three lights that go up the stairs of him entering into his house. Mm-hmm. So anywhere that's his way. Yeah, it literally lights his way for him. <laughs> so that's like one thing that lights play a part in. But yeah. another is the Morse code. So do you yes. want to talk about the Morse code? Yes. So um, there's a there's actually several referrals in the movie to Cub Scouts, um, like the little boy Dasong Park um, has been enrolled in Cub Scouts, and then later when Mr. Kim meets the housekeeper's okay. husband in the bunker, um, he asks him. He says, "You're about the age where you would have been a scout." So I feel like there's more I need to understand about the scout illusions here, but um, because of that, there's this idea that. Um, da Song will know Morse code, who's a little boy, um, and that the uh, former housekeeper's husband knows Morse code. So as he's living in the bunker, he sends out secret messages um, by pressing the buttons or banging his head against the light buttons um, when the Park family is home. And so through Morse code, through the flickering of the lights, he is telling Mr. Park that he respects him. He even sings this song at one point that he's made up, um, just saying, you know, Mr. Park, we respect you. Thank you for letting us live in your home. It's this way that he can think of to repay him, even though Mr. Park has no idea. He just thinks the lights in his house house are glitchy. Um, So, yeah, again, watching it the second time, you notice all these times when the lights are flickering um, and... You, you notice something really interesting about when the lights do and do not turn on as well. Yeah, which which I kind of mentioned this already, but anytime that someone from the Kim family or the old housekeeper or the bunker, <laughs> the bunker husband, <laughs> are walking through the house or walking down that staircase, those lights don't turn on. But it's only when the parks walk down that staircase, which we see mm-hmm. many other times, especially when Mrs. Park walking down that staircase where they do turn on for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just that these people, even though they're in the house and they're parasites or whatever, it's the house isn't, it doesn't belong to them. And it, I'm yeah. not saying that in a way like, oh, it doesn't belong to them, but it's like everything about their wealth, like heralds who the parks are. Like the wealth right. is really all they have. Yeah. They don't even have love. For one another. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. We can't even answer the question. Yeah. They love each other. Yeah. But anyways. Morse code. <laughs> yes. No, but interesting. Something I noticed this time, and again, it could just be me trying to reach for things happening in this movie. 
there's a scene near the end where um, the husband who's been living in the bunker, he's been tied up at this point and he's gagged, but he's still banging with his head. He's still banging the buttons for the lights, sending up Morse code to Mr. Park. This is after the Kim family's kind of come in and tied them all up and they've had this great big struggle. So there's, uh, again, with just Bong's genius scene changes, um, he's banging his head on these lights, sending up a code, and then it cuts to Mr. Kim being in his own home that is now flooded and he's kind of wading through it, but the lights are flickering. Still. Yes, yeah. which is, you know, you could say that's because it's raining really hard and flooding, so their electric is going out, but part of me just really wants to know, is there a message in that code? Yeah. <laughs> or is it the same message? Yeah, is it the same message? Or is it just a simple nod to um, what was probably happening at the same time in the park home? But yeah. I just thought that was really cool. Parasite yeah. <laughs> really explores the condition, like we've already talked about this, but the social, the socioeconomic circle and that how it's never-ending and it's vicious. Like we see the Kim family turning into these vicious characters towards mm -hmm. the old housekeeper and her husband. Yeah. Um, something else I found really interesting this time is kind of there's, you kind of see hope with the ones who are like younger than the adults. Yeah. So That's like, yeah. So like, I feel like the rock, the scholars rock, Kevin holds this for a long time and it's kind of like this hopeful symbol for him. Personally, I feel like that rock, is the only thing in this movie that doesn't have a metaphor. Right. <laughs> they kind of, <laughs> they tell you what it is, and it's up to you to, you to decide if it brings material wealth yeah. or not. <laughs> but personally, I feel like it's the one thing that doesn't have a metaphor. Yeah. Because it's it doesn't really, yeah, it's just a rock. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that's really up to interpretation. But I feel like there's a lot of hope put into the younger characters. Like, even with the parks, their son is, like, outside in his... USA made TP at one point who's he's actually doing putting in his journal like okay here's the Morse code that's going on the lights and he's like in the middle of like right. sketching it down yeah but he never finishes that Morse code mm -hmm. in the first time or the two times that he's confronted with this like lower the very lowest of the low socioeconomic culture being the bunker man <laughs> he those two times that he has a seizure because he's so, I feel like this is a metaphor that he's so unaccustomed to being in the presence of someone who's in a different economic culture than him. Yeah. I think that's a good point. He wouldn't have been exposed to anyone. You know, the, the parks live a, a pretty end-to-end -end structured life. They don't, they mentioned they don't take the subway. They have a driver take them everywhere. I'm sure that their kids only go to school with other wealthy kids. Like, yeah. when would he ever really be seeing this other side of life? Yeah. So, yeah. like, even these younger generations are not going to be able to, like, eradicate this, like, vicious circular culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think it's, that's what I think it's like. So that's what I noticed this time is, like, First we see Bunker, Bunker husband, and then Mr. Kim, who's kind of in this middle class sphere, mm -hmm. then becomes Bunker husband at the end of the film. Yes. So you see this like big circle happening. Yeah. And it's just interesting. Right. <laughs> we should unpack the ending a little bit um, because... We'll try our best. We'll try our best. <laughs> it's very high stress. 
and very um, wonderful for all its goriness, um, but it's just uh, really, really amazing. But essentially, the movie kind of climaxes with this um, second massive altercation, except this time between all three families. Uh, the Parks are having a birthday party for Da Song. This is after the big flood while they were camping, so this is kind of their second attempt, like we've talked about, to have a good day for his birthday. Um, the Kims are there all in their working roles, and things are just coming to a boiling point with um, the couple who is now underground, the former housekeeper and her husband. Um, so essentially, in just this crazy, bloody, gory mess, so the first thing we see is Kevin going downstairs with the scholar's rock to see the old housekeeper and her husband. So what do you think that was all about? Okay, I'm not sure, but the second time watching it, I think that Kevin was going down to the scholar's rock to give it to that family mm-hmm. so that maybe they would have the same the same outcome from the rock that they did. Because when they received the rock, they received a lot more wealth than they were currently bringing in. So I think that he kind of was like, okay, maybe I don't fit in in this culture even, like, at all. And, like, what makes me better than these people? So he goes down there as, like, this scholar rock being a peace offering. And the only reason I think this is that when he goes down there, the he first finds the old housekeeper and he's trying to wake her up or, like, see where she, like, if she's all right. And then her husband, who's been in the bunker, has this large noose that has, I think it's, like, a white rim on the end of the noose where mm-hmm. he like pushes it up pushes it up and then there's this one like one second like blip of Kevin's face with the noose above his head and it the noose kind of is like lighter in color the lights on his face and it really does look like he's this angel mm-hmm. and it's this kind of like moment that's like ah like this very like <laughs> <laughs> he's an angel to come save them yes, maybe yeah, yeah. like this angel who's gonna come save them and then all of a sudden he pulls the noose back and Kevin is like literally like being choked. Yeah. Later he's hit in the head with the scholar's rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. And then that leads to a lot of stuff that happens outside <laughs> that I don't even, you, you handle all that. Yes. All that drama. <laughs> Pardon me for all the things I'm about to say if you're squeamish, but, <laughs> but yeah, essentially that, that brief moment you're talking about, that's so amazing where you're not sure what's going to happen, but then all of a sudden the man hooks Kevin around the neck, pulls him backwards, and just starts this insane snowball of a fight where essentially Kevin tries to escape up the stairs, um, doesn't make it before the man takes this scholar's rock that could have saved him, we'll never know, and he essentially (laughs) bashes Kevin in the head with it, and we think he's dead at this point. Um, Having taken down Kevin... He runs outside, um, and in this moment of just pure traumatization for poor Da Song, who's about to receive his birthday cake, uh, he stabs Jessica as she's presenting the cake to him, and this is the point when everyone at the party is just like, what on earth is going on? Um, Mr. Kim and Mr. Park jump up from behind the bushes where they've been hiding to do their little role in this... uh, this themed birthday party to see what's going on. And they essentially see Chung Sook, Mrs. Kim, um, now attacking the man from the bunker. And they're having it out, um, just fighting on the ground. And everyone is freaking out. Jessica's bleeding. Her father is trying to 
plug her wound. Um, but this part is really, really impactful because, you know, we know that this is a family and Mr. Kim is running to Jessica to try and save her. It's his daughter and it's so heartbreaking. And Mr. Park is just only focused on his own son who's now having a seizure on a second seizure because he's seen this man he once thought was a ghost again, but now he's stabbing people before him. So, so Mr. Park is just, you know, only focused on his son. He's like, we need to get him to the hospital. Mr. Kim, you're my driver. Drive me to the hospital. Mr. Kim is literally like, no, but this is my daughter. He's not saying that, but you can see the struggle in his eyes. And um, it just shows this total disregard that the Parks have for the people that have been working for them and that they'd probably say, oh, they're like part of the family. But when push comes to shove and they have to choose, like they had no interest in saving Jessica. Yeah. So Jessica's bleeding on the ground. Chung Suk has now stabbed the man from the basement, but not before. He also stabs Mr. Park with a barbecue skewer. I hope I'm getting this right. A lot of people are stabbed. (laughs) And um, Mrs. Park is just watching this all and kind of going into shock. Um, so we're kind of left with this fade to black, knowing that Jessica's been stabbed. Kevin is probably dead from the head injury. Uh, Mr. Park is probably dead. The guy from the bunker. The guy from the bunker is dead. Um, and Mr. Kim is, um, we don't know at first, but he's essentially run to the basement to hide when the cops have come. Um, so it's just this wild kind of illustration of this just, dog-eat-dog society. The man who's been living in the basement just totally coming unhinged and going after this family that has tried to take it from him and in turn actually killing the man that he's paid his respect to for so long. But long story short, it's a bloodbath and no one wins. No one wins. (laughs) One thing I think is interesting, though, is that the guy who's been living in the bunker, his last word is respect Mm -hmm. towards Mr. Park. Yeah. And then he's stabbed. And then Mr. Park wipes his nose because he mm-hmm. smells bad. Mm-hmm. And that's when Mr. Kim comes and stabs <laughs> Mr. Park. Oh, you're right. I got that wrong. Mr. Kim is the one who stabs Mr. Park. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because he's finally like, no, man, my, my, I don't like you. Like, yeah. you've been treating us so poorly. It threw him overboard. But, yeah. Wow. I mean... We literally have gone like an hour, but we could have been, like, <laughs> there's so much we didn't there's say. There's so much we didn't even say. <laughs> we need to have some kind of, uh, just parasite club. Let's <laughs> like, talk about this. <laughs> Although we could have went for at least another hour. At least. <laughs> we're already, like, thinking of things that we didn't talk about, but we are going to go ahead and start to wrap this up. But we wanted to leave the listeners with a recommendation we're either going to recommend a new, another Bong Joon-ho film or an, another international feature. So, Brenna, what would you recommend to listeners? Okay, if I were to recommend another non-English-speaking film for people, um, I would actually suggest Atlantics, which is easily streamable on Netflix. Um, I'm a little bit sore still that it wasn't nominated for an Oscar in that category too, um, but it's just a really great movie. It's the first feature by a director named Machi Jope, um, and it is out of Senegal. Um, and a connection with Parasite is it competed this same year for the Palme d'Or 
uh, which is the highest prize at the Cannes Film Festival. Obviously, Parasite won and went on to reign in all ways, but um, I think this is just another amazing movie that if Parasite hadn't been in the conversation, um, this is something I totally would have been rooting for. I think it's just, um, the subject matter is about, um, and in very short terms, it's about the people who are left behind um, when their loved ones migrate to another country in search of a better life. That is super high level. If you've seen that movie, you know that I'm leaving out a lot. But that's because there is just, I think, what is a brilliant twist in that movie. And I think it's just so imaginative. And it really moved me. I was sobbing at the end. But it's also kind of easy for me to do that. But, um, but yeah, if I, if I wasn't recommending another Bong film, which I would say you, you can win with all of them, but I would recommend Atlantic's currently on netflix that is a good one <laughs> it's kind of creepy it's a romance yeah it's a mystery it's really good uh-huh. I, I also agree with that cool um i'm gonna recommend a bong film okay good um i know that the subtitles were a big thing for a lot of people like getting through that barrier but bong has created a film that is mostly in english mm-hmm. and it also deals with a lot of the same um themes as Parasite does, and mm-hmm. we've already talked about it in this podcast, but it's called Snowpiercer. Yes, um, so good. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of on the x-axis, where Parasite is on the y-axis, but... <laughs> oh, what a great, oh my goodness, what a great illustration. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but I think it's a really, if you really enjoyed Parasite and you really enjoyed the themes, I think you would also really enjoy uh, Snowpiercer. It's really, really good. Um mm-hmm. Sometimes I forget that Bong even directed this film. Right. Yeah, I believe it's on Netflix, but similar themes. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that, too. Great movie. Yeah. <laughs> also good. pretty universally beloved. Yeah. It no also has a moment in it, kind of like Parasite, where you're like, what? Everything I just knew is just out the window <laughs> about this film, and here we are. So, yeah, I love those kind of moments. Bong double twist Junho right there. <laughs> that is a good nickname. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Well. Started here. Talk me through the movies. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, do you want to end with just saying something we're excited about? Something that I am excited about is that I recently just watched Paddington and Paddington Two. Oh. Precious. And these, I haven't seen them. I really want to see them. They're so good. <laughs> but I highly recommend it if you haven't watched it. It's not on Netflix or anything, but um, they're really good, feel-good films. And I haven't laughed so innocently in a long time. Aww. Yeah, and so it was just, it was. it's a good, like, if you're homesick or, yeah, that's actually what I, when I saw it, <laughs> is I was, like, homesick with, like, a sinus infection and I was like, wow, I haven't laughed like this like in so long. And it's just really beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's really, yes. really good. I highly recommend it. But yeah. Awesome. I'm going to try and watch those next time we meet, yeah. between now and then, because <laughs> I just heard they're rated so high on everything, and they seem so great, those yeah. movies. <laughs> the animation is really good. Oh, nice. It's really good, yeah. Sweet. Love a good kids movie you can still relate to <laughs> as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I would say there's been, I'm a lover of horror, as as I've mentioned before, but um, I watched this really off-the-wall horror comedy. I got to see an early screening of a movie called Extraordinary, 
It's in theaters uh, for real the weekend of March 6th. Hopefully our episode will be out by then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is so great. It's a, it's a comedy that's a little bit Ghostbusters-esque, but it essentially follows this woman who has um, paranormal ability. She can communicate with dead people. Um, and it's just all about, but because of something that happened in her past, she's afraid to use that gift. So it's um, all about her going on this adventure to help someone she meets. Um, and she has to kind of tap into this spiritual gift that she has. Um, but it's just so funny. And it's just the kind of like pure goofy horror, horror that is also so quality. Yeah. <laughs> Not like something that's so stupid. It's funny. It's, it's smart, funny, but just in a way that I think, um, anybody could laugh at. Um, and it's just kind of an unusual subject matter for someone to take on. And it's a little indie movie. And so I think it's going to need the support to expand into other theaters. So do you think I could watch it? Oh, yes, definitely. Then I'll not scary. I'll go support. Yes, I should say not scary in the slightest. Completely just goofy. Um, but yeah, that's extraordinary in theaters March 6th. <laughs> You're welcome, filmmakers. Wow. <laughs> That is free ads right there. Yes. Right there. <laughs> Someday someone will pay us for this. <laughs> well, awesome. I think that's it for this episode. Great. Thanks for listening to our Parasite Breakdown. Yeah, thanks for listening.